Good morning. I'm Emily Reese, and always fun to have Jill Mott in the studio to talk about wines and spirits, etc. Good morning, Jill. Good morning. And it was President's Day on Monday, so that uh, gave you a little bit of an idea, yeah? It did, yeah. Well, I was... It- Traffic was so nice between our fair cities on Monday, and um, I had some friends that were were off of work that day, and it, it dawned on me. I was like, oh yeah, it is President's Day, and I knew I was going to see you in a few days, um, so I thought, why not um, put put two and two together and talk about presidents and booze? <laughs> There's way too, actually too much history there, and I had a, had a fascination with presidents in my early years at elementary school, um, and so I figured I would... I would marry the two in the interest of something um, that's not always about recommendations. All right. So um, it's it's fascinating how many of our presidents imbibed, didn't imbibe. Um, When we think about famous presidents like Abraham Lincoln, Mm -hmm. he was known for almost abstaining 100%. He would drink water. Um, George W. Bush, he was notorious for drinking like Diet Cola was his preferred mm-hmm. um, invigorating beverage when he was in <laughs> office. And then you flip the coin and you have someone um, like John Adams, who is our second president. And he was right around the time um, with with Thomas Jefferson and Madison and all these people that imbibed and Franklin and a lot of different types of expensive alcohol. Mm-hmm. John Adams woke up every morning and had cider with his breakfast. <laughs> and it, we have to think, you know, cider nowadays has a lot more alcohol than it did back then. Mm-hmm. And nowadays we're drinking between 10 ounces and a pint of cider at a time. Whereas back in his day, a glass was probably maybe two shot glasses full, give or take. Okay. So they were, he was drinking a lot less and a lot less, you know, quantity of ABV, but in the end, he's still waking up every day with a thirst for cider, which yeah. makes me happy. Um, another another cool anecdote. So uh, James Monroe, he was our fifth president uh, in the middle part of the 1800s, 1817 to 1825. He was known for, you know, we love scandal nowadays with, with oh, presidents yeah. and back at, then it was no different. Right. Yeah. It's um, just normal. Yeah. And James uh, Monroe was known for spending the entire allotment of the furniture, (laughs) what was relegated for the furniture, uh, um, spending in one year, he spent it on 1,200 bottles of expensive (laughs) Burgundy and champagne. And if we don't really think of of how much money that is, but if you think of inflation and and rewind, Mm -hmm. 1,200 bottles at nowadays... Burgundy and champagne or just throw a hundred bucks a crack back in the day. That was a lot of money to be spending on (laughs) booze and they didn't know it until they went to go like redecorate a wing or something and found out that Monroe and company had just like decided to go spend it on something else, which is great. Um, William McKinley, he was our 25th president uh, from 1897 to 1901, and his favorite beverage was rye whiskey. I know rye whiskey is um, right now very in vogue. He was the only president that had a cocktail named after him called the McKinley. And for those of you who like to make cocktails and you like to um, maybe relive a little bit of history, you take three ounces of a rye whiskey, you take an ounce of a sweet vermouth. So most likely back in the day, it was a red sweet vermouth um, as opposed to a white, two dashes of cherry brandy, and then just to top it off, because 
Heck, being president's difficult. A dash of absinthe. <laughs> you think of how, how strong that cocktail had to be. It was like four ounces of booze in it. It was pretty, pretty great. Wow. Um, uh, and another quick anecdote before we uh, go on to music or a break or something else. Uh, we, we don't really think about how often... Um, campaigns, you know, make someone a president or they they make a, a candidate falter and, and not become elected. Woodrow Wilson, uh, back in the day in the 19, from 1913 to 1921, he was our 28th president. There was a whiskey named Wilson Whiskey. Okay. Um, and his preferred drink was scotch. And he decided to latch onto, during that time period, uh, the Wilson brand. Their slogan was Wilson that's all. <laughs> and it had like jingle and it was on billboards. If you look back in the day, the billboards were, you know, of course, massive. Yep. And so he started his campaign was Wilson. That's, that's all. <laughs> and people during the day that loved whiskey and that, you know, it was right around that time where people were starting to think about temp more temperance or not, um, mm -hmm. ended up becoming one of the reasons why Woodrow Wilson was our 28th president. It has to do with whiskey people. <laughs> Oh, Jill Mott. Always uh, great to have you here. We're going to talk to you again in just a few moments about... Uh, more booze hounds <laughs> and, and not, and not, yes. uh, that, we're, that we're our president. All right. Sounds good. Good morning. I'm Emily Reese. I've got sommelier Jill Mott here today talking about boozy presidents for uh, a less eloquent term, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of them, some of them were and, and, and some of them weren't. So I feel like it, that's appropriate. Yes. Well, you just handed me a 400 page book about <laughs> Thomas Jefferson and wine, not even Thomas Jefferson on alcohol, Thomas Jefferson on wine. And it's 400 pages long. That's amazing. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I've relegated him. I've saved him for last okay. because he's, um, he's pretty incredible. You know, that he's, controversial figure nowadays um, in terms of his presidency, et cetera. But um, his his legacy for what he gave us in wine is pretty special for an American um, for an American president. All um, right. Well, we'll hear about him later then. But what do we got now? Well, so I this next can or this next figure, um, Herbert Hoover. So he was our 31st president from 1929 to 1933. I, I sympathize, even though he was um, in the like the heat of prohibition, I, I sort of sympathize with the guy. Why? Because he had a wine cellar. <laughs> I have a wine cellar. When, pro <laughs> when prohibition started to become a thing and, and the temperance movement, his wife went and threw, dumped all of his wine Oh my! Down the sink, he grounds went to, for divorce. Uh, grounds for divorce, of course. <laughs> and he went to, um, you know, he went to pull out a bottle. At a, it was a very special occasion, and he noticed it was like all of it was gone. Like she did it supposedly somewhat behind his back or something, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, which was crazy. But he did. Uh, he was known for. He had pneumonia uh, when he was eighty, and they said, "What would you like? What's going to make you feel better?" And Sir Hoover said a dry martini <laughs> and drank the whole thing in the hospital, which is pretty great. That is. Um, Nixon, so our 37th president, very known, well known for, of course, Watergate and, and, and those kind of scandals. Um, he was our president from 69 to 74, and he was known for, gosh, listen to this. <laughs> he would serve guests, uh, you know, he would have a, a big feast, host guests, and he would serve himself. He preferred old Bordeaux, specifically Chateau Lafitte, which 
then went for around $600. Now you can find them for, usually they're right around $1,500 a bottle, give or take. Um, he would drink that and serve his guests something else. <laughs> <laughs> he would serve his guests like uh, very good quality, but like, yeah. l- uh, you know, lesser quality California wine or French wine or something. Mm-hmm. And he'd just sit there and, you know, toke off the Lafitte glass. <laughs> Come on, buddy. I couldn't believe it. And then when I think of that, I think of sharing. And yeah. of course, the Obamas um, are very well known for their thoughtful get, uh, gifts, etc. When people come to the White House or sending Aimed cool gifts, mm-hmm. um, and they have an or they had an apiary set up um, on the grounds. Okay. Uh, long story short, uh, someone wanted to experiment that works in the kitchen with. They made homebrew, and they said, "Hey, um, uh, President, do you mind if I make like a honey beer?" He said have at it. Mm-hmm. And the honey beer was supposedly delicious. And it's the first, um, I don't know if the brewery is still functioning with, with the current administration, but it was functioning for a lot of the latter part of Obama's, um, organization. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they would give it away as gifts. They would have it at special occasions. Obama loves his beer. He actually had a beer summit where he <laughs> called, uh, together some, some leaders and, and people in high places to make things happen over beer. He wow. said, like, I think beer is, you know, low enough in alcohol, but it'll bring us together. Um, <laughs> which is kind of great. And maybe one last anecdote, um, Harry Truman, our 33rd president from 1945 to 53, he would wake up every morning. He'd take a walk around the grounds, around the White House. He'd sit down for breakfast and sip bourbon. For breakfast. <laughs> for breakfast. This is and, amazing. And, and, you know, granted, it was probably just a nip, but that was something yep. that uh, his day didn't feel complete without a little bourbon with his breakfast. How about that? How about that? <laughs> uh, by the way, Jill Mott happens to know all these presidents. Like she knows these dates and numbers off the top of her head. She swears it's the one thing she learned in second grade. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back with Jill Mott here in about 15 minutes to talk about Thomas Jefferson and what he did for uh, wine and uh, such in, in America. Good morning. I'm Emily Reese. Jill Mott is here to talk about presidents and wine in honor of President's Day. Other booze as well. We heard about the McKinley. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so now tell me about Thomas Jefferson. Well, before before Thomas Jefferson, one one president to put before him. Um, I feel like for President's Day, people may do something for it. They may not. They may watch a documentary. They may not. <laughs> I tend to when President's Day is upon me, and I think about it. Um, I do give just a little, you know, little shout out, little uh, fist pump to <laughs> FDR, uh, our thirty second president from nineteen thirty three to forty five. Why? Because if it weren't for him on March 22nd, I wouldn't have a job. Um, repealing prohibition was was one of his big um, was one of his big things. It was actually like I think it was quite soon after he took office. So we just don't think about that now and we yeah. we take for granted um, that we're, you know thankfully we're able to imbibe in a glass of wine whenever we want. Um, so thanks FDR, a little <laughs> for you. Um, but to talk about Thomas Jefferson, so. Um, I've done several classes, and, and each is more interesting than the next in terms of uh, what Thomas Jefferson has given our world of wine here in the United States. Um, now, 
you know, speaking of taking things for granted, you know, we have so many publications and blogs and there's one wine expert right after the other in, in terms of and specializing in certain subcategories of wine. And that's really all thanks to it started with Thomas Jefferson. Um, mm-hmm. He before his presidency, um, he was traveling to he was in public office and he, he traveled to France and very extensively traveled through France. And then during his presidency, he did make trips to France, to Germany, specifically for wine. Um, mm. been reading a lot about how we need to bring joy into our life alongside of our professional um, mm-hmm. endeavors. And Thomas Jefferson really took that seriously. He learned all about wine from the ground up. And then he was responsible for, I mean, now we have importers, we have brokers. I do part of that business myself. And I don't really think about the fact that Thomas Jefferson was sort of brokering wine into the United States before Hmm. it was really even a thing. He was having people he trusted to help him get the wines that he wanted year after year. And what was the difference between this year and that year? And he just, his at length, his journals of of wines and wine notes was incredible. Mm. He drank usually, um, it was in moderation and he would do beer and cider during his meal. And then after he would have wine, like when it was, when there wasn't any other thing to conflict with his study, which is, um, fascinating. We, we owe it a lot to him in terms of the actual study of wine and mm. and getting to know it in an angle that isn't just drinking it for fun. Yeah. He also spent a lot of the American budget during the time <laughs> on wine. So and he almost went broke uh as a result in his in his later years he had to sell a lot and oh, wow. um, of of his own property to be able to live mm-hmm. his later years. Do you know what some of his favorites were? Or I do. It depends on the time of his life. Uh, there was a time where he was enjoying all too much champagne and it was like <laughs> Madeira and all these very expensive wines, Burgundies. But um, his his wine consumption actually gets more interesting as he gets older mm. when he can't afford those things anymore because he'd get into the wacky wines of like Southern Portugal and Spain. Okay. And that time, some of those wines were very famous, but some of them weren't. And they were, um, he, you know, that, that 400 page book, I just passed your way. He talks yeah. about how he was searching for better deals in wine and how he couldn't really afford X. So he would start yeah. to experience, uh, and experiment with Y and Z, which is fascinating wines from the Azores. He liked wines from the Azores later in his life. Okay. Um, but yeah, it really depends on the epoch that we're talking about or the decade sure, of sure. his life. Wonderful. Well, Jill Mott, always great to have you here in the studio to talk about wines and uh, other spirits and boozes and such. And uh, hopefully you'll be back here in two weeks. Sounds great. All right. Thanks much.